This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. One important song form in jazz and one that I would suggest all students take a look into, especially if you're just getting started, is the blues. And in jazz, the blues is really important and it really covers a lot of the main harmonic elements that you will find in jazz music. So it's a good one to start with. In this episode, I'm going to go over three strategies for improvising over a jazz blues. Let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Hey, excuse my voice again, guys. It's a little bit uh, weak, if you might be able to hear it. Uh, Still have a cold, uh, like I did in last episode, uh, recording these one after another here. So forgive me there. But hey, I'm excited to be here, no matter what the condition of my voice is actually is uh, because we have a fun episode today, a value-packed episode. This is one that I really uh, am hoping that all of you are going to get a lot from, and this is three strategies for improvising over jazz blues. Like I said in the intro, blues, super important when it comes to jazz. That's a really a big place where jazz really emerged from was blues. So uh, we should be working on this, right? Especially because there's so many harmonic elements that are so important in jazz. Now, we are coming up to the end of the year here, uh, and so we are tying up uh, some last episodes. So what I want you to do, though, is I want to make sure you're subscribed to the show. If you're not subscribed, uh, we have so much good stuff coming, especially in 2019, especially 2019. going to be talking a little bit about my plans for 2019 in an upcoming episode, so make sure you're subscribed. And hey, by the way, if you want to give a little end-of-the-year gift to the Learn Jazz Standards podcast Really easy to do that is just by leaving a really kind rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So if you're a regular listener, you're someone that really enjoys this show, and you've never done that before, go ahead, head on over to iTunes. Just leave a, a really nice rating and review. Helps other people know that this is a show worth listening to. All right, so I don't want to uh, waste any more time here. I want to get right into these three strategies. These are super important. Let's get on to it. All right, so before we get into the strategies here, let's solidify what exactly is a jazz blues. So when I say a jazz blues, I'm, I'm referring to it's some sort of a variation of a common 12-bar blues. And, and again, a 12 a 12-bar blues is really something that has been solidified uh, in music pedagogy because technically, if you listen back to some of the really old blues folks that we still have recordings of, sometimes they would just be switching to chords, uh, not in any particular form, right? They would just, whenever they felt like going to the four chord, they would go to the four chord sort of a thing. So the 12-bar blues is really something that has been made into a structure. So the 12-bar blues, we're going to do this, we're going to do everything in the key of concert B-flat today because I think that's a common key for the blues and jazz. So 
we start with the one chord, it's always going to be a dominant seventh chord. So in this case, a B flat seven or a variation of, and then an E flat seven, which is the four chord, back to the B flat seven, two bars of that, and then E flat seven, four chord, back to the one chord, two bars, and then the five chord, which is F seven, and the four chord, which is E flat seven. And then usually a, a five chord to turn around back to the one. Okay, so that's just a basic 12 bar blues that you'll typically find. Just one, four, five. All dominant seventh chords. Okay, so when we talk about jazz blues, there are many different variations of a jazz blues. Uh, and we could go over all of them, but I don't want to spend so much time on this as I do the strategies. So let's go over what I consider to be a basic jazz blues form. So it starts, of course, with the one dominant seventh chord, in our case, B flat seven, and then the four chord, two, two bars of that, and then the four chord again. Now, oftentimes, there's one bar of the four chord here, and then a sharp four diminished. Okay, I think that's pretty common in jazz. So we go to the four chord, E flat seven, then E diminished seven, back to the one chord. And here is where things differ from the basic 12 bar blues. Then we go to the dominant six chord, which is G seven in the key of B flat. Now we call this a secondary dominant, okay, secondary dominant. Uh, that's an entirely different episode that I've covered before in this podcast. You can go ahead and look through the feed for that one. I can't remember off the top of my head what number episode that is, but in case you're wondering what a secondary dominant is, I explain that way better in another episode. Okay, so G7, that's the sixth chord, into the two chord. Again, this differs from the basic blues. The two chord is C minor 7. And then the five chord, F7, to B flat 7. And then again, usually back to some kind of five chord to turn around. So again, let's just do this, go through the basic jazz blues here. So one chord, B flat 7. Four chord, E flat 7. B flat 7, one chord. E flat 7, the four. The sharp four diminished, E7. And then B flat 7. G7, the six dominant. Two. The C minor 7, F7, the 5 chord, 1 chord. Okay, so we've got that solidified. That is your basic jazz blues. That's a form that I would definitely suggest that you have memorized. And the great thing about the jazz blues is you've noticed it has two five one chord progressions in there. It has some diminished harmony in there. It has that dominant six, that secondary dominant. This is all very common stuff in jazz harmony. So that's why practicing and learning the blues is not only a great starting point for folks, it's also a really great place for everybody, no matter where you're at, to be very competent uh, at playing, okay? So now let's go uh, talk about those strategies. Now, the strategies are very uh, conceptualizing ideas here. So with it goes without saying that you need to be working on jazz language, learning licks, learning solos. In my 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing course, that's something that we really focus on in general, not just on blues, but with different jazz standards, is learning solos and learning licks in different keys 
because ultimately that's really how you get the language of jazz. But these strategies are tools that you can use to conceptualize jazz language in playing the quote unquote right notes or the notes that are going to define the chords better. Okay. And just to reiterate that, you know, the way I first started learning the blues is I had a teacher, uh, Bruce Foreman, a great Los Angeles guitar player, if you've never heard of him before. And one day we just sat in a room together at a little uh, jazz workshop when I was, uh, you know, much I was in high school. And uh, he just said, hey, Brent, play this. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds pretty bluesy. I had no clue what it was or what he was doing, but I played it back. Right? And, and just that little idea opened up an entire world for me. I didn't know what it was. But then I started going, oh, I guess I could do the same thing on the four chord. Right? And then I could do that on the five chord. And the four chord. So you see how that just one little idea really opened up my world with the blues and just improvisation? I didn't even know what it was. So that's what you need to be doing as well is working on licks and just language like that uh, so that you can get those sounds in your ear and start exploring for yourself, okay? But let's talk about strategy number one. Strategy number one. And I'm gonna start with what I would consider the best starting place. The best starting place. And that is play the chord tones. Okay, this isn't rocket science here. Just play the chord tones. Now, in the case of a jazz blues, we are talking about dominant seventh chords and minor seventh chords here. So you're always going to be playing one, three, five, flat seven, or in the case of a minor seventh chord, one, flat three, five, flat seven. Okay. So to demonstrate this, I'm going to put on a little B flat backing track, just one chorus, and I'm going to show you that I can play a solo by just playing those chord tones. Okay. So check this out, just the chord tones of each chord. So, question for you. Yes or no question. Did that sound good or bad? It sounded good, right? It sounded great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That sounded good, and actually, it was semi-musical, even though I was just using the chord tones to each chord. Now, was it the most creative, marvelous solo you've ever heard? Probably not, but you probably undeniably couldn't say that you weren't hearing all the chord changes come out, that you weren't hearing some musical ideas in there, and that's just using the chord tones. Now, the chord tones are so important, and I've talked about this a lot in this podcast, because they're really what are going to outline the chord. It's the skeleton of the song form when you're playing the chord tones and learning how to connect them together. Now, to create a solo like I just did, it's really just trial and error. First, you got to know what the chord tones are. So the first place to start is simply by outlining the chord tones, right? Right? 
right? So all the chord tones to those chords, just knowing what they actually are, probably playing them in multiple octaves too, if uh, your instrument warrants, right? So you're going to want to be able to do that. And then after that, you can start thinking, hmm, how can I put parameters around my improvisation so that I'm only using the chord tones? And that's a great challenge. How can I make just the chord tones creative? But this is especially great if you are just starting out and you're like, man, I don't really have that edge on my improvisation. You know, maybe you're playing too many notes. Maybe you're not able to outline those chord changes. Simple, just focus on the chord tones. So that's strategy one. That's strategy one. I'm going to give you some challenges at the end of this episode, but that's the first strategy. All right, now strategy number two is, wait for it, major and minor pentatonic scales. Major and minor pentatonic scales. Now, if you're a guitar player listening right now, I'm going to make fun of you. You're going, ooh, 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 I know that one, right? Because guitar players are obsessed with the major and minor pentatonic scales. You guys got to get over it a little bit. But uh, hey, there's something to them, especially when it comes to the blues, right? comes to the blues because why are pentatonic scales great for the blues? Because they really do a great job of outlining pitches that represent a quote unquote bluesy sound, a bluesy sound. Okay. So that's how I think about all scales, by the way, I think of them as pitch collections. They aren't necessarily notes that you should play in order from a to Z or, you know, from one note to the next, in this case, only five notes. They are notes to choose from that you know are going to portray or express a certain sound. So let's go to the major pentatonic scale first. So that's in B flat. So we're going to do a B flat major pentatonic scale. That's B flat, C, D, F, G. That's all it is, right? And then the octave. top of a B flat 13 there, B flat seven, right? Penta, just five notes in there, right? So one more time, it's B flat, C, D, F, and then G, right? Okay. So the minor pentatonic, B flat, D flat, that's the third, right? The flat third, B flat, D flat, E flat, F, A flat. Five notes, B flat, D flat, E flat, F, A flat. Two octaves, right? Okay, so just listening to this scale, we know this sounds bluesy. That's why everybody likes to think about it over the blues. Uh, Why does it sound so bluesy? Well, it specially does because of this note right here. That's the flat third, but it's really the sharp nine. If we're playing a B flat seven, it really sounds like a sharp nine, which is a bluesy chord, right? Bluesy, 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 right? Funky, bluesy, all that stuff. Okay, so we like to use that. Now, what's the problem with the major pentatonics and the minor pentatonics? Well, the problem with them is that in general, you're not really hearing them outline any of the chords if you're just playing simply the scale, right? That's why this strategy and even the chord tone strategy shouldn't be left to its own devices. It shouldn't be left alone unto itself. It's just one strategy to combine with some other strategies to create some musical ideas, right? Along with just learning jazz language by ear. So if we were to, though, try to outline a little bit of the chord changes, how would we do that, right? So let's think about this really quickly. If we have a B flat seven, all right, I think it would be appropriate 
to think of major pentatonic ideas. So... Right? But then when we get to the four chord, we have this new note in here. What's the seventh of the four? So that's E flat seven in the case of concert B flat. What note is that? That is D flat. We just talked about how D flat was the flat three in the minor pentatonic. So now I feel like when we hit that four chord, hitting that minor pentatonic, that B flat minor pentatonic will be a good idea because we're going to be really outlining that flat seven in the four chord, which is uh, one of those guide tones, right? It's a strong tone. So we have the one chord and the four chord. That's the minor pentatonic. Back to the major. To the four chord. To the one chord. Right? So the, when we get when we get to the six chord, we get to the two chord and the five chord, right? That's where that's where we're not really necessarily outlining those changes there unless we switched what pentatonic scale we're playing entirely. But we're still getting that really bluesy sound that we want, right? So the major and minor pentatonic scale. So I'm going to improvise a little bit using just those scales, the major and minor pentatonic, and mixing them together, okay? That's my goal for the solo. So let's listen to this, just one chorus. All right, so yes or no question, did that sound good? Yeah, of course it sounded good, right? It definitely. Now, there was something left to be desired for sure, right? Because, you know, we weren't hearing those chord changes come out quite as much, right? I did definitely emphasize the minor pentatonic over the four chord and the major over the one chord, but there was something left to be desired there. But did we have that ingredient in the cocktail, that bluesy ingredient using those pentatonic scales? Absolutely, we did. So that's a good strategy is trying to figure out how to make those scales musical, right? How to make those scales musical. That's a challenge in and of itself is just exploring and isolating out just those scales and saying, how do I make this sound musical? Not even just bluesy, right? How do I make this musical over top of these chord changes? So we have that, right? So already you can kind of see, well, if we could combine chord tones with pentatonic scales, hey... That's that's already starting to sound like something there, right? Because we got the bluesy thing in there and the chord tones is outlining the changes so we can hear the changes coming out there. So, so far, these two strategies actually could work pretty well together, okay? So that's strategy number two, major and minor pentatonic scales, all right? So now let's talk about strategy number three, the last strategy that I want to cover, and that is the modes, the modes, okay? Now, so strategy number three, the modes, now... If you don't know what modes are, there is a major scale and there are modes of the major scale. Essentially, you can start and end the major scale on any one of its chord tones. And each one of them has a name, right? So Ionian is just the basic major scale. So a B-flat major scale is Ionian. Right? So if I wanted to do Dorian, Dorian is the second mode of the major scale. So we're just starting... 
we're starting the major scale on that second tone, which would be D, so, or sorry, C. So this would be a C Dorian. Okay, so this is just a crash course on modes in case you, you know, you're not familiar. I know we have a lot of different kinds of listeners on the show today, so trying to you know, keep everybody up to date here. That's the basics on modes. Definitely, you can go on learnjazzstandards.com, go in that search bar there and type in modes, and you're going to find a lot of stuff on modes that will help you understand that better if you want to do some more research there. But essentially, the two modes that we can use over the blues is the mixolydian mode, which is the fifth mode of the major scale, and the Dorian mode, because we have that minor two chord there, the Dorian mode uh, over that C minor seven. Okay, so the real question is, well, what is well, what is the parent scale of a B flat mixolydian? And the easiest way in my mind to figure this out is simply think what scale, what major scale is B flat the fifth tone of? What scale is B flat? the fifth tone of, okay? Now, if I'm losing you here, you can pause, think about it for a second, what I said, all right? But the the major scale would be E flat because the E flat major scale goes E flat, F, G, A flat, and then there it is, B flat. Okay, so I know that B flat mixolydian is based off of the E flat major scale. So what is a B flat mixolydian? B flat, C, D, E flat, F, G. Here's that flat seven that really makes it sound like a dominant seventh or a mixolydian, and that is A flat, and then back to B flat. Okay, so we're going to need to know that. And then, of course, we have E flat seven as well. E flat seven, that's the four chord, so we need to understand what mode is that going to be? What's parent scale is that going to be associated with? Well, it's A flat because E flat is the fifth tone of the A flat major scale. So, so you just need to know the formula for a mixolydian scale. And another way to look, uh, to think about the mixolydian scale is simply play a major scale, but the flat seven, right? So play a major scale, but make that seven the flat seven. So that's that flat seven there. That gives it that dominant seventh mixolydian sound, okay? So obviously you have to do the same thing for the five chord, which is F7, and that is the parent scale of that is B flat major, which is the parent key of the blues that we are in. And then you have C minor, which is going to be a Dorian mode, right? Dorian mode, C minor. So C minor is the second tone of the B flat major scale, right? So essentially you're playing a B flat major scale, but starting on the second tone, which is C. So there's C minor, two chord. Oops. Right? All right. So the first place I would start is just simply by making sure that you can play all those modes with the different chords and the progression. So... So that's just like the basics there. Right? I was just doing one octave forward and backward through the scale. You know, that's that's just to define what those notes actually are. And then, of course, after that, 
it's time to start improvising a little bit just using those modes, okay? So let me give that a shot right now with the backing track. Okay, again, yes or no question. Did that sound good or did it sound bad? Well, yeah, it sounded good. There, there was there was nothing wrong with that. Sounded good. Again, le- left something to be desired. In fact, this is probably, uh, I don't want to call it my least favorite approach because that's it's kind of negative, but it's, it's my least favorite because it's hard to play modes without thinking about them as things that are played in order, right? Rather than just using them as, as tools to think about hey, that's just what the different note options I have are, right? Basically, modes are showing you what notes can I play in between the chord tones, okay? Because all of it's diatonic. There's no chromaticism yet, right? It's just diatonic stuff there. What notes can I play in between those important chord tones, right? So the chord tones always should be the foundation, right? Out of, my, out of these three, I feel like the chord tones are my favorite because the chord tones best define the chord and if I just know what those notes in between them are, aka understand the modes, well, then that kind of opens up the playing field a little bit, okay? So let's talk about these three strategies now. Number one, we had chord tones. Strategy number two was major and minor pentatonic scales. And strategy number three was playing the modes, in this case, mixolydian and the Dorian modes over top of the blues. So if you think about it, Every single one has their own strengths. The chord tones, really great at defining what the chords are so you can hear them come out in your solo. The pentatonic scales, really good at bringing the bluesy sound out of the blues, which we all want to hear. And then we have the modes, which help us you know, define what other notes can we play outside, diatonically speaking anyways, outside of the chord tones, right? So if you combine all three strategies, actually you can come up with some pretty good stuff. And then you can start using other techniques like chromaticism, like enclosures, all stuff that we've covered on this podcast before. So with that in mind, let me try to improvise freely. And I'm not really going to be thinking about each one of these techniques. The point of working on these techniques individually is so that you are familiar with them so that hopefully when you combine this with with all these other strategies and you combine this with just learning language by ear, that you start to be able to play this stuff naturally when you take a solo, when you improvise. That's really what all this is about. That's what practicing is about because it's like the laboratory. The laboratory where you get the chance to you know, break things apart, slow things down, try different things, isolate different things, right? So now let me just try taking one chorus solo, just playing whatever, but you will definitely hear some of these strategies in there. Okay, so not a lot of time to develop any ideas there. I only gave myself one chorus, but did it sound good? Yes, it did sound good. 
I was combining these strategies together along with a little chromaticism, along with a few other little frills and techniques, right? Outlining some chord changes there. But that's what we can try to start doing is take these strategies, work on them individually, then see if we can't start making some music out of each one individually, and then go ahead and try to see if we can't combine what we know. And the more you do this, the better it gets, the easier it gets, all of that stuff that I that I just mentioned, right? So those are the three strategies that I would love for you to spend some time working on. And so my challenge for you is to really spend some time working on at least one of those strategies this week and you know diving deep into them and checking them out. Now, if you're someone who's a little bit more advanced and uh, you want a big, a steeper challenge, uh, I always suggest my Blues in All 12 Keys Challenge. So I did a video of that on YouTube. And so if you want to check that out, go ahead and uh, look that up. You can just go to YouTube and type in um, Blues in All 12 Keys Challenge, and that should come up. You'll see a video of me and I actually go through and I take a solo over the Blues in All 12 Keys a lot easier said than done. So that's a good one to go check out. You can also just go on learnjazzstandards.com and type in the blues and all 12 keys and you'll find that video too. So that's a good one. Also link that in the show notes today. All right. So that's a good challenge to do. So the blues is really important. Uh, I hope you take me up on some of this stuff. I am thinking about just an option on the table uh, in 2019, working on a blues course, like really digging deep into the blues, lots of exercises, uh, understanding all the different forms of the blues. This is all the stuff I'm starting to think about as we're going into 2019. So if that sounds like a good idea to you, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, leave me a comment, say, yeah, I want some of that or go to, you know, email me at help at learnjazzstandards.com. You know, let me know if that's something that sounds good to you or whatever comment on the blog post, the show notes today. I'd uh, love to hear what you think about that. But the blues uh, is something that I, I want to spend a little bit more time on on this podcast and in general, uh, just because I think it's really important. So go ahead, work on one of these. I challenge you work on one of those strategies and uh, see what you come up with. All right, that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I really do appreciate you, and I uh, uh, thanks for giving your time and uh, for hanging out with me today. Now, we are approaching 2019, or if you're listening to this in the future, uh, maybe not, but this is a time where we start thinking about New Year's resolutions. What do we want to change in the year 2019 and the next year, and what do we want to go forward and do? And so you might be thinking, you know, I want to really up my game on my jazz playing. I really want to take my jazz playing to the next level, and I want a program that's going to help me stay committed to that and a community. Well, if you're interested in that, go check out my 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing Jazz Practicing course. There's really no other program like it. Lots of students in there in our community who are sharing assignments with each other, going through this process, and a lot of people are getting a lot of great results out of this. So I want to invite you to join me too at 30stepstobetterjazzplaying.com, 30stepstobetterjazzplaying.com. There is uh, a free mini course you have to go through first, call it module one, uh, but uh, that's a good thing to go through too before you can get invited in. So go ahead, do that 30 steps to better jazz playing.com. And like I said at the beginning of the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes if you enjoy this show or wherever you listen to your podcast. Greatly appreciate that. All right. Next week, as always, going to be coming out with another episode. I'll see you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter.
Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.